Regret shows up in our lives in all kinds of ways, from innocent mistakes we've made to terrible life choices, and it messes with our heads. If you've ever found yourself spiraling into that deep, dark hole of regret, I'm here to throw you a rope. Today, I welcome to the table Shelly Sneed. Shelly talks with us about the different types of regret we carry and how to move out of regret and into hope. I think one of my favorite parts of our conversation is when Shelly says that God is the great redeemer of our regrets. What a beautiful way for us to think about what to do with all those things that come crashing into our minds in the middle of the night or when we're driving or when our mind is wandering. This episode is for all of us who want to stop carrying around the heavy weight of regret. Hi friend, you're listening to Find Hope Here. I'm your host, Teresa Whiting, author, speaker, ministry leader, friend, and fellow struggler. This is a podcast about the messy, complicated, painful parts of life, but also the beautiful, joy-filled hope that Jesus promises. Each week, We dig deep into God's Word together and talk about how His truth impacts our everyday lives. I'm not going to ask you to sit with me and have coffee because I seem to have my best conversations while I'm just doing life. So I'd love to hang out with you as you walk or fold laundry or drive to work. You're invited to join me in pursuing the hope God promises. No matter where you are or where you've been, I pray you always find hope here. Let's jump in to today's episode. Well, welcome, friends. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Shelly Sneed. Shelly is a writer, podcaster, and speaker residing in Asheville, North Carolina. She hosts the Unperfect podcast each week to help women see glimpses of God's glory in the now and the not yet. She's a wife of 29 years, a mom to four, two from the womb and two from the heart and loves sharing crazy stories from her life combined with truth from God's word to women who need to hear that life this side of heaven was never meant to be perfect, and they're not alone. When she's not searching for her keys or phone, she teaches piano lessons, leads Bible study for the precious women at Abba's House Recovery Home for Women, and co-leads the Asheville Area Christian Adoptive Foster Moms Support Group. The first time I heard Shelly, was on my friend Sandy Cooper's podcast, The Balanced Momcast. And um, Sandy's podcast is one of my favorites. I've talked about it before. And when I heard Shelly, I was like, I would love to have her talk to my listeners. Shelly, I just want to welcome you and thanks for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. One of the things you talked about when you were on The Balanced Momcast was regret. And that little segment that you did about regret really resonated with me Mm. because I am a person who gets into these deep, dark spirals, like in the middle of the night where I'm just rehashing (laughs) conversations and not just like conversations from the day, but like my whole life. I can go into this big, dark hole of everything I've done wrong. and, um, And it's a terrible trap. And I really feel like it's not from God at all. So I'd love to hear 
how that shows up in your life. But before before that, I totally forgot to ask you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> so tell us more about yourself and then tell us how does regret show up in your life? Yeah, like you said, I have four kids. They are ages 17 to 22. Um, and it's funny, it's so weird to say that because I don't feel like I'm old enough to have adult children. But today I actually had to use a calculator to see when I graduated from high school, how many years ago that was. So I guess I am officially old enough to have adult children. Um, my oldest son just got engaged, so that's been exciting, and we love her. Um, I, my free therapy is my puppy. Um, he thinks he's one of the kids, and that's probably because I treat him like a person. But um, there's just nothing like having a, a puppy dog to snuggle up to. Mm. Um, but yeah, our youngest two kids were adopted from the beautiful country of Rwanda, and that was about 14 years ago. So um, yeah, a lot of my regrets are because I didn't know a lot about developmental trauma that comes along with adoption. And so we'll get into some of that later. But um, yeah, I have two music degrees that I'm not really using. <laughs> I use I use one to teach some piano lessons on the side. But as you said, what I love to do is write, connect with other women through the podcast and um, through occasionally speaking and, and that kind of thing. So before we go much further, I wanted to ask you, how you came up with the name, the unperfect podcast. Cause I heard that and I was like, Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. So I think unperfect has just kind of been one of my favorite words from the beginning, partly because it describes me as a person. Like I have run into my own garage door five times and that's really sad, but it is true. My husband is now an expert at fixing them. Um, but that's just kind of, I'm just a scattered, frazzled person, which is probably how, I, why I resonate with Sandy's podcast so much, <laughs> but, um, but, but it goes deeper than that. Um, I think I went through a period of time of just feeling like everyone else has it together. What's wrong with me? And also being raised in the church and hearing Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for the good of those. And and that's absolutely true, but I'm not sure I was given much permission to really understand that there's a tension that they're not always going to seem right, seem real good right now, or I may not see that good till the other side of this life, right? Till eternity. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like I checked all the boxes and did all the things and still had some really hard things in my life. And so it was then that I began to realize, you know what? No one's living a perfect life because that is actually impossible until we are in heaven with Jesus and made perfect, uh, completely yes. whole. So it's just kind of that unperfect. Um, it, it's not so much as an, I'm excusing all my sin away, like, oh, I'm not perfect. It's It's more... None of us are. So let's do this life together and let's figure out how to live in the tension of living in a broken world, but having the fullness of Christ. Yes. I absolutely love everything you're saying. It's so all of it. It's it's just so biblical and so refreshing. Like it's down the line of like, let's face reality. Life is complicated. <laughs> right. And there's beauty here, but but sometimes we're not seeing it. So I love that. Okay, back to regret. <laughs> I'm taking us in circles today. Um, how have you seen regret show up in your life? Yeah. So I mean, I like you, I can go back to adolescence and think, man, I regret not taking that opportunity or that risk. Or what if I had really pursued that harder and I, I wasn't afraid to fail? You know, we have those kinds of things. In marriage, uh, my husband and I joke that we've been married 29 years and it only took us 29 years to learn how to communicate. Like 
you know, there's so much we could have accomplished, I feel like, or you start to go down that trail. If we had known better, if we had been more selfless, whatever. Parenting, I think all moms probably have this whole list of mom fails. And again, we can talk about some of this later as we get into the nitty gritty of types of regret, but I certainly have them from losing my temper to not understanding where my kids were coming from. Um, And then just other relationships, extended family, friends, so many things I would do differently if I were given the chance for a do-over, which, as you know, we don't get that opportunity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we got to learn how to move through it. Yes. Yes. You just mentioned um, different types of regret. What, What are the different types of regret that you've um, noticed in your life? Yeah. So I feel like you can put possibly all of the type of the regrets that we have into one of two categories. And one of them would be just ignorance. This is the, if I knew then what I knew now, I totally would have done that differently, you know, or I wish I'd done that strategy or made that decision. It's not necessarily that what I did was sinful or wrong or bad. It's just in hindsight, we can see there might've been a better way. There might've been a better thing we could have done. And I think for me, it's so easy to get down in that deep, dark hole of wishing I had done things differently. And I think it might've been a therapist that gave me this line that I use now. It's literally a daily affirmation for me, which is I did the best I could with what I knew. And that is, uh, that's very free. Because um, I'll give an example. I I mentioned how we adopted two preschoolers from Rwanda 14 years ago. And now there are abundant resources for raising kids with developmental trauma. But back then, I'd never even heard the words developmental trauma. So knowing what I do now, man, I would do a thousand things differently. My kids have some struggles to this day that probably would have been helped if I had done things differently. That's a lot to live with. That's a heavy, heavy weight to carry, you know, but I wasn't meant to carry that. Um, I did the best I could with what I knew. So now I've just got to lay that regret on the strong shoulders of the one who says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that that's, I, I literally have to say that to myself anytime I start to go down that rabbit hole of, I can't go there, I can't change it, but I also did the best I could with what I knew. So that's one kind of regret is, is that just ignorance is what I call it. Um, and then there's actual sin that we regret. And I think that's kind of the other category. And that kind of lingering regret over, you know, a choice we made to do something it was contrary to God's word. And there's consequences that fall out of, of that kind of choice and those kind of regrets. Um, but I think those can lead us also to a place of just defeat where we just agree with Satan's accusations that we're not good enough, we're not spiritual enough. And we know from Romans 8, 1, that there's no condemnation for those of us who know Jesus. So if we've responded to that regret in repentance and we've opened the door to forgiveness from God and sometimes from ourselves, we have to learn how to forgive ourselves and move past. I think that's how we move forward. And I love the scriptures that talk about God can make beauty from ashes and redeem the years the locusts have stolen. I like to say God is the great redeemer of regrets. So even with those choices we made that were terrible and totally against, you know, God's word and there's consequences we're dealing with, 
um, God's not beyond restoring them. He's not beyond redeeming those. I just wrote that down. God is the great redeemer of regrets. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm all about God redeeming things, but I haven't thought of it that way before. And that is so beautiful. And your, um, your experience with your kids, that is so powerful. And I can totally relate to that because um, we adopted two-year-old twins who um, lived their first 18 months in a Romanian orphanage. Mm. And that was in 1997. Okay. I need a calculator now Yes, and talk about no resources. Like I had no idea what I was doing. We adopted them a year and a half later, I got pregnant. And when she, when that daughter was eight months old, I got pregnant with twins. I went from no oh kids to five kids in three and a half years. And the first two came out of a very traumatic background. Sure. And so here I was, this young mom, totally and completely overwhelmed. I remember walking into church and being people, people would walk by me and they'd be like, oh, you're so sweet, your little family. And I was like, um, no, like somebody's yeah. gonna get hurt. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing and I need help desperately. It was I like I almost want to cry because I can identify with that young mom who's like, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I, I'm hurting these kids right. and I'm hurting myself and I don't know what we're doing. And now, you know, 26 years later, I have conversations with my kids about, well, we sure could have done that differently. We sure could have done that better. But I Absolutely. love that. I did the best I could with what I knew. As a Mm. young mom, 20-some years old, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing anything about trauma, not knowing anything about having five kids under the age of five at once, you know, it was just, it was a lot. And so that's that's where I go in regret is all the things I did wrong. Just hearing you say that God is the great redeemer of regrets is so comforting and encouraging and beautiful. And I hope all the mamas that are listening are latching onto that because they need to know that you you may do things wrong. You will do things wrong, actually. Um, and they may be from ignorance or from sin, but I loved what you said about putting it on the shoulders of, mm. of God who can carry that. That was amazing. Um, I think a lot as kind of as we're talking, you know, a lot of our regret Center centers around relationships, you know, parenting, but sometimes marriage, sometimes friendships. Why do we struggle with this so much? And, you know, how do we live intentionally in our relationships so that we we don't have a ton of regrets, at least the ones that are avoidable? Sure. And that's such a great question. Um, And I was thinking about this this week. And honestly, I think we struggle with it because we are broken people in relationship with other broken people. Like I'm a broken adult trying to raise little broken humans, right? (laughs) Like um, it kind of goes back to that unperfect thing. I'm a broken wife married to a broken husband. And again, not excusing sin. I'm just saying as products of the fall, even though we're saved and redeemed and restored this side of eternity, we are still in that daily battle of putting our flesh to death. Um, but you're right. It's so important to live intentionally in our relationships because people are what God values. I mean, his greatest two commands for us are love him and love others, right? So it's more important than being intentional in our jobs and our ministries and our hobbies, whatever our work is. And I think sometimes those are easier 
because we can check a box and check a list and I've done all the things. Right. <laughs> so I think sometimes um, it's it's easier to put everything into that because I know I can get this right. That that may just be me. But um, I, while I do think um, overcoming regret is possible, it's harder to repair broken relationships. They can take that takes a lot of work. Um, and like you said, the intentionality of love. And, I, and I, another thing I'll say, too, is we can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. I mean, everything I just said that was so dark and sad that we're all broken <laughs> with the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm daily like, God, I'm not loving, patient, kind, gentle, self-control. I need the Holy Spirit to do all of those things through me, especially with the people that you put me in contact with, which the people it's hardest to do that with, in my opinion, are the people that live in my home. <laughs> right. A lot easier to just let it, let them see the worst. In fact, our kids joke. They're like, man, when you and dad get on the phone, like you can be like, go put things. Oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, they're like, your whole voice changes. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's because it's a little easier to be, to be in my flesh in my house. I think we all can identify with that. <laughs> Shelly, I know that you are committed to God's word and the truth of scripture. What passages have really helped you with this, have helped you to process your regrets? Yeah. So the one I mentioned earlier is from Joel 2, where God says, I will redeem the years the locusts have eaten. And it's just such a good reminder. Again, he can redeem those regrets. Um, Isaiah 61, where he talks about making beauty from ashes, giving a garment of praise in place of our despair. And then I also love in Ezekiel 36, where God says, he will remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. It's just a reminder to me God is all about redemption and making things new. Like he doesn't want me to be stuck in regret any more than I want to be there. Um, you know, we can use examples all through scripture of God using really messed up people, right? And really dysfunctional families to accomplish his purpose. Those are very encouraging to me because sometimes I look at my family and go, wow, we are the very definition of chaos and dysfunction. And then I look at Abraham's family and all these other families, yep. Judah, and I go, okay, we, we might just be able to be used by God. <laughs> yep. So um, those are definitely scriptures and stories that I cling to um, in those times of regret. Yes. Yes. I, I identify with that because, you know, one of the things that has helped me in my own life is getting to know these characters in scripture. I think when I was a, a young Christian, I thought the Bible was filled with stories of all these heroes, you know, with their halos and that their perfection and all these amazing people. But then as you actually read it, you're like, okay, this is like daytime TV right here. <laughs> what yes. is going on with these people? They're like us. Yes. yes. And the Bible study um, I've been leading in the recovery home, we've been going through women in the Bible. And some of these ladies have never been in the word and heard these. And one of them actually said, man, the Bible's like a Jerry Springer show. I was yep. like, well, it has a better ending, but yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely has a better ending. <laughs> so I'd love to hear you talk about the opposite of regret. If we're not going to live in regret, what's the opposite and how do we get to that place? Yes. And to me, this is the best part of all. It's the best news. I think the antithesis of regret is hope because regret focuses on me 
but hope focuses on Jesus. So it's like, I have to have a total mindset change. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. The Greek word for hope that's used a lot in the New Testament actually means an expectation of good. So while regret says, I really messed this up, hope says, I can expect God to work in the midst of this or despite this, the disappointment that I've experienced or the failure that I've committed. So the focus of our regret is, is me and, and my mistake. The focus of hope is Jesus. And one of the best examples in all of scripture, I think of someone moving from regret to hope is Peter. I mean, we know his story that he denies Jesus three times. He was one of Jesus's closest friends. And then he hears that crow of the rooster and he knows I have totally messed up. I just I just did the worst, most unforgivable thing, right? Um, and I think Peter was at his lowest, but unlike Judas, who allowed his regret to totally destroy his future, um, Peter held fast to hope. And in the resurrection, I think his hope came fully alive. It's really interesting if you read through First Peter and Second Peter, he talks about hope all throughout them, that God is our living yes. hope through the resurrection of Christ, that you know, he, he calls us to impart that hope to other people. And many Christians over the centuries have actually called him the apostle of hope. So I just have to go, if Peter, if God's grace can allow him to go from his absolute lowest point of regret to become the apostle of hope, he can, he can bring me there too. That's beautiful. Can you share some practical steps with the listeners to move forward? When, we, when we're in that place of paralysis, like let's get super practical. What does it look like? What are things we can do right in that moment, in that moment of feeling like I just can't get my head out of this dark hole? What are some practical things we can do? Absolutely. And I, it drives me crazy when I hear a great inspirational thing, but then I don't, I'm like, I, I believe all that, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I don't know how to get there. Um, but I, I honestly think um, the best thing we can do is do the next right thing. And I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. Um, one of my favorite stories is when God's chosen king, Saul, had just defied God's instructions out of fear, out of pride. And Samuel, the prophet who had anointed him as king, is super frustrated. And he's, I mean, he desperately tried to talk Israel out of even wanting a king. But once, you know, they wouldn't relent. He, he does this and makes, uh, anoints Saul to be the king. And I know he had such high hopes for him. Um, he ha Saul had such a promising start to his career. But now we see that Samuel is just totally down in the dumps. And what I love is what God said to him. He said, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? And here's my favorite line. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. That's in 2 Samuel 2. And why, why that was so powerful to me as I was thinking about regret is God knew that the next right move was going to be the move that puts the line of David on the throne. It was going to lead to the Messiah, to Jesus. Now, I, I don't know that Samuel knew all this. I don't know what he knew at this point. But God was saying, look, fill your horn with oil and go. Would you just trust me and do the next right thing? Um, and that he, you know, he wasn't experiencing necessarily. I don't know. It doesn't say he was in that regret. But I love that advice from God, that command from God to do the next right thing. 
because I think God was saying, I want to, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to redeem that regret. I'm going to redeem that, mm-hmm. you know, what seems to be a failure. Um, and I think regret paralyzes us and we get stuck there. But if, if we have hope, like I talked about a second ago, it propels us to motion. And I can't go back and change what I did, but I can seek God. I can fill up with his spirit and I can do the next right thing he calls me to do. Um, he, God doesn't write us off when we mess up. I mean, Peter becomes the rock on which the church was built, right? So he didn't write Peter off. So that's going to look different for all of us. If I've completely, like you were talking about, we've gone to our adopted kids and said, hey, we did a lot of things wrong. So that next right step was admitting that to our kids, you know, asking their forgiveness and moving on. Or if it's even as simple as I just yelled at my kid, I'm going to go do something that builds connection with my kid. Um, I'm using a lot of parenting illustrations here, but right. any whatever the regret is, you know, seek God. What is he calling you to step out and do next? Because that's how we're going to move away from getting trapped and staying there in that regret is finding new purpose and, and really believing God can still use me. I do have a purpose. What does he want me to do next? Yes, I appreciate that. I love when people can give practical steps <laughs> yes. instead of just theories like, okay, yeah, that sounds great, but how do I do it? And so I, that that's so practical. Just do whatever is the next thing in front of you. I appreciate that. And I think the listeners appreciate that because sometimes we think we need a plan, like a, a six-week plan or something. And, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and nope, just do what what that next one right thing is. I think that also is an allusion to Emily P. Freeman has written a book called The Next Right Thing, and she has a podcast called The Next Right Thing. And I don't know if you've listened to it, but- I have not. Okay. Well, it's really good. So I'll just put a plug in for that for anybody who's (laughs) listening. That's one of my other favorite podcasts is The Next Right Thing. So as we're um, kind of closing up, tell us some of your top book recommendations, maybe two or three of your favorite books. Okay. So this is funny. As I was thinking about this this week, um, I buy books all the time. So my stack of unread books is way taller than a stack of read books. Um, I, I don't know what I just, I was thinking, oh, I've got all these great books I've read a chapter of, but I haven't finished. But I'm, I will say two or a couple that are my favorites right now. And one is Doing Life with Your Adult Children by Jim Burns. And I know this won't relate to everyone, But one of my favorite quotes from that book actually totally fits with what we're talking about today, because a lot of us have regrets over the way we parented and that kind of thing. But he says, it may be too late for prevention, but it is never too late for redemption, for restoration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of goes back to God being the redeemer of regrets. Like, yep, can't prevent that now. But I but God, you know, but God. He can do anything with that. But that's a great book. And I even recommend people read it when their kids are still teenagers in the home because it's it's also a lot about preparing them for adulthood, which has been very helpful for us. I love anything by Kate Bowler, but right now I'm reading her Good Enough 40-ish Devotions for a Life of Imperfection. It's obvious why that appeals to me. Yes, yes. Um, but that that's just been a great, a great book that I've been enjoying lately. And then I will say one other one. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but it's called a reader's Bible, and it takes all the verse numbers out. So you're reading the Bible in paragraph, 
in narrative, which real, which is actually how it was written. I didn't know this, but verse numbers weren't put in until like the mid 1600s or something to help us keep track of where we are. Um, but I have loved reading the Bible in that form, in paragraph form, where I'm just getting to see the whole story and the context and all that. So I love that idea. I yeah. love that. I had never heard of that, but I've been trying to read through the Bible and I feel like that would that just would make it flow. And you don't have these, even if you're thinking like, oh, I know that this is a continuation of thought. When you see the paragraph breaks, you just automatically start assuming things. And so yes. that sounds like- Or a you, the verse numbers, it just, um, and that's when I got this book, this Bible was when I was reading through the Bible. And it, another thing I like is it doesn't give the little, you know, like in our, most of our Bibles, it'll give the topic like, Jesus heals the lepers or he feeds the five. Yes. So it's almost like you're making your own. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes. Like it's just, yes. I'm seeing the whole picture. It's more like reading a book, a novel than here are yeah. the, here are you're the points. Probably, Here's what you should get out of this. So. Yes. Yes. And making more connections like, oh, that sure that showed up back there and here it is again. And yeah, sure. That sounds like a great resource. So thanks for sharing that. Shelly, I love the work that you're doing, your your podcasts and your ministry. So what is the best way our listeners can connect with you? So they can find me at my website, which is ShellySneed.com. That's Shelly with only one E and Sneed E-A, but I'm sure you can put that I in will the put the links. Notes, but <laughs> Um, or on my podcast, which is the Un-Perfect Podcast, because apparently there are several unperfect podcasts out there. But I do have a usually a new episode every Tuesday. Um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter. It's kind of like a short blog that I do twice a month. It'll tell you what I'm reading, what I'm learning, what I'm sharing. It's, it's probably similar to, to what you do uh, with yours. Yep. Or if there's a freebie or other resources on my website. And I do have a freebie that uh, I have actually three freebies on there, but one that I think might be especially helpful to your listeners, which is called the um, Unperfect Promises of God. And it's five biblical meditations that just help us in living in that tension that we talked about at the beginning, here in the now and the not yet. That sounds wonderful. I will put links to all of this in the show notes. So I encourage sure. everybody who's listening to to listen to that podcast, to grab those resources that Shelly has provided. And last thing, as we close, um, I would really love it, Shelly, if you would just be willing to speak directly to the listener who is stuck in regret or who maybe she isn't today, but she she has been or she will be. What what would you say to her? Sure. I think that biggest encouragement, apart from everything else that we've talked about today, is is to remember that you're not alone. And I don't say that. I know we say we hear that a lot, um, but I'm not sure we really believe it because I think we feel like whether we're stuck in regret or whatever it is we're stuck in, we think we're the worst. And we're the only one that's messed up that badly. But my experience has been that when I have opened myself up to an authentic community with other people, when I'm real and honest, others are too. And we realize there are so many of us that are struggling with this and many other things. Um, it's easy to think everybody else is crushing it and I'm over here just treading water. I, I felt that way so much in my early parenting days that I'm just a terrible mother because what I saw from everyone else was the Facebook post version of 
<laughs> you know, here's our beautiful dinner that I just created, you know, and mm-hmm. I think I believed the lie. I think Satan wants us to believe is that, yeah, you're, you're really messing it up. Everyone else has it together. It's, there's something wrong with you other than the fact that you're just human living in a broken world. Um, so I do think it's important to be in that kind of authentic community, even if it's just a couple of friends that you confide in or finding people in like stages and similar situations that you're in is also helpful too. Kind of like you were saying when you, you would pass people in church and like, oh, and you're like, oh, if you only knew, like I, I need to pass someone else with five kids and <laughs> two adopted kids and whatever else I need. They would look at me and go, I get you. I get you. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, and I think sometimes it's as, I'll say as easy and as hard as stepping out and saying, Hey guys, I'm really struggling with this. Anybody else? And that's what I found when I started um, on, and I'll say this real quickly on Facebook, I was noticing all the perfection stuff. And so I would post something like, y'all, we made it out of Walmart today and nobody stole anything. Like (laughs) I I was just kind of like, this is my life. Um, And I do that with kind of tongue in cheek sense of humor. But what I was finding was that people were messaging me going, oh my gosh, thank you. I thought I was the only one. And so there is something to taking a step of authenticity that helps others be able to do the same thing. Like, let's work on this together. I would also challenge you to go through scripture and make a list. You can even Google it, because I've done this before, and find them of all that God says about you. Because I think part of this, we get in our own head and we have to combat the lies that Satan is throwing that, yep, you're the worst. You'll never overcome this. God can't do anything with this. You're done. Whatever it is that we start to think, you know, this is never going to get better is to just to remember who we are in Christ and then remember who he is and his character. And like I said before, that he is able to redeem. That's what he does. He makes dead things come to life. He makes old things new, right? He heals the broken. I mean, that is what he does. And so if we keep those things, I think, as just coming into our minds to combat the lies that the enemy wants to give us. It is it is a huge help. And I would just encourage you to do that. If you're feeling stuck in that kind of regret, um, just to be able to encourage yourself with those powerful words from God. Yes, yes, yes. I love this. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Shelly. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, while you're on your podcast app, why don't you hop on over and follow Shelly's show, The Unperfect Podcast. Also, make sure you check out her resource, Embracing Unperfect. And for those of you who are regular listeners to Find Hope Here, have you followed the show yet? And even more so, have you left a five-star rating and review? Please take just a minute and do that today. Thanks so much. Thanks for hanging out with me today on Find Hope Here. To find anything I mentioned on the episode, Go to TeresaWhiting.com slash listen to find all the show notes. I'd like to leave you with this prayer from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.